0: This is Daniel Hagedorn for Preparing Kids for Life at PK4L.com, and our podcast is for all things parenting. This is actually day 72 of our 365-day journey with you. My wife and I are so passionate about helping parents reclaim their rightful place as the number one expert on their own kids. So our podcast focuses on time-tested principles any parent can learn and apply to build an emotionally safe home and help their children thrive. And we talk about every parent's most basic fears because these have been our fears too. Things like, I don't have what it takes to be a good parent or I'm not qualified or I'm gonna mess my kids up. You know, as parents, we will do anything to help our kids. And since our ceiling is our children's floor, we owe it to them to always be learning and growing. For 365 days, you've been invited into our experiment and we are committed to walking alongside your journey as your personal outfitters, guides, and allies. Every day, every step of the way. So yesterday we were talking about this idea of What are today's values? and In the second part of this, I just want to kind of continue to explore the, the values that are molding and shaping today. The values that our children are going to be confronted by in a million and one different ways. And we have to know, well, what is the truth of it? Because there is a way that things work. There is a truth. It's not popular to say that now because there's this belief that you know everything is is true and untrue all at the same time because who's to really say what is true and and there's a there's a meaninglessness that attaches itself that that sounds really good it sounds sophisticated it sounds like you're a nuanced thinker but in reality it's not it's not that way at all, because we need to have objective truth. What if you were standing on top of a 10 story building and say, you know, I personally don't believe in gravity. Gravity is not part of my personal truth, but if other people wanna believe in gravity, I don't judge them for that. But you know, it's like for me, I just, and then they walk off the, you know, that has a horrible consequence. And I I know I'm, I'm on one hand kind of make a little bit of a joke, but it's actually a very serious thing. Because when we don't believe in this idea of an absolute truth, then we we really leave ourselves unmoored from meaning. I think the problem is is that people have taken this absolute truth thing and they've said their version of that absolute truth is the absolute truth. And, And you have to be careful about that as well. There there are people that are incredibly narrow-minded and incredibly judgmental and incredibly self-righteous. And because they've taken up this mantle of, I have all of the personal truths you could possibly hope for, it puts out this impression like, oh, well, that's what universal truth is. No, universal truth is freeing. Ultimately, Ultimately, if you really have found the truth, you find freedom along with it. And so this second idea that I want to sort of talk about that as an idea that our kids are engaging in is we have to help them engage. And again, this is not about arriving at a concrete solution. I said this on the last podcast, but I, I love the way that the, the Hebrew mindset approaches these things. They have a truth. You know, like I, I asked um, uh, a rabbi a friend of mine, uh, his, his name is Rabbi Natan Alexander. Brilliant, brilliant man. Just really, he's one of those guys you can have a five-hour coffee with. He's just fascinating to talk to. But just such a good, good, good man. But, anyways, he was just saying. He goes, you know, the the laws of the of the Torah are unchanging. They're they're universally true. He said, but understanding God's heart behind that truth, well, we'll never come to the end of that and i love that because you know it's 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 kind of exciting to to think about there's always more to learn and discover and and you know you don't have to be threatened by this notion that you don't have all of the complete truth of the entire universe that god has created all at your fingertips all at once right and so i just i think that the the another issue out there is being offended or offense and and this notion that offense is the worst possible sin that you can commit, you know, millennials were were just about raised on the milk of tolerance. I mean, that's you know such a a huge part of their experience. It's one of their highest values. In fact, I'm going to suggest that it's it's perhaps their only absolute truth. And you know, I. I say this with, with the utmost compassion. I think that agreement number one, you know, that that doubt is the highest good, slipped in through the door of a legitimate desire to avoid blind dogmatism. And and I think that's good, by the way. I, I mean people you know when, when people are, are blindly dogmatic, they just assume that because they think they know something, it's automatically true, and they're unwilling to explore whether or not it is really true, because they're so threatened, they're so insecure that they just hide behind this this blind dogmatism, this rigid adherence to "I know everything there is," instead of saying, "You know this is what I believe with all my heart right now, but I'm willing to hear what you have to say." I'm willing to let God show me more of the truth. It doesn't change truth. It just, there's more to it. But agreement number two, this idea that offense is the worst uh, sin, I think crept into uh, our our existence because we wanted to be seen as a kind and accepting person. You know, I think that's the important thing to see here. It isn't like there's this Weird Machiavellian uh, strategy that you know a few people in a distant, dark, high castle are are scheming about, right? these are These are things that happen with good intentions, but there's distortions that get added in, right? Um, again, like people are are more doubtful and more skeptical because they they're reacting against blind dogmatism that's a good thing. But when you slip over into, so I don't believe anything can possibly be true and I doubt everything always and forever. Well, now, now you've gone too far in your reaction. And I think like we're talking about this idea of offense being the worst sin. That's sort of what's happened there as well. Don't we all want to be kind and accepting to our fellow human beings? Yes, absolutely. But there's a, There's a mix between tolerance and acceptance. See, tolerance is, hey, you know what? You're made in the image of God. And so I, because of that, give you the honor and dignity that is due to every single human being in the image of God. It's what gives you your value. And that's why I honor God by honoring you. However, that doesn't mean that I have to accept that everything you believe is true. I have my own convictions. And hopefully you will accept my convictions as me having a right to have them. But there's this, what's, what's happened instead is there's this artificial minefield of social sensitivities that millennials have to navigate. And, and that's bad enough, except as time has gone on, that, that minefield has become a psychotic labyrinth. Any, any perceived slight real or imagined, can suddenly emerge without warning from this ever-shifting sea of politically correct virtue signaling. And so millennials engage in this very tortured form of social contortionism to adopt the most acceptable posture for every possible person, group, organization, party, or faith. It's kind of like playing a game of Twister with an octopus the octopus is always going to win that one. And so it's really hard. It's really hard and you know we have right now we're, we're living in this age of hatred where people are looking for opportunities to be offended. And so this agreement that that offense is the worst possible sin, it becomes particularly seductive for Christians because we desperately and sincerely desire to represent Jesus as gracious and accepting because he is. It's just that Jesus is gracious and accepting of where you are right now, but that doesn't mean he doesn't call you higher. Jesus is always saying, look, I don't want you to settle for less. So don't, don't go involved, get involved in all these other things Do this instead. This is how you can find and experience your best life with me, with each other, with the world around you. But too often what happens is that's translated into a list of religious boxes that have to be checked. And that's not not what Jesus is calling us to at all. And so what happens is Christians sort of, they start to hide and then slowly surrender any of their convictions that might conflict with the quote culture of tolerance above all else. And again, I'm I'm pro tolerance in in the sense that we need to respect and honor people made in the image of God. But I'm but I also will add just as firmly that we need to be allowed <laughs> To not have to accept everything that everybody believes and thinks is true either. Dignity works both ways. Acceptance and tolerance works both ways. And we have to understand that tolerance and acceptance are actually two very different things, even though they've been kind of treated as though they're interchangeable. And so you have the the well-meaning millennial out there who's just trying to be a good person. But here's the thing. Even even if they surrendered every conviction they had it would still be impossible to avoid offense in the present climate you know there there's that old cliche about when you try to please everyone you end up pleasing no one right and and that's the that's the the the, the irony of it all um you, you end up really sort of divorcing yourself from that because you don't really stand and you know honestly now there, there's one thing like if you're standing up for something you believe and you're an obnoxious jerk about it well you know you, you've kind of already lost I mean even if you're right people are like I don't even care if you're right anymore you're just so obnoxious you're such a jerk Ugh." you know it's a turnoff. on the other hand you know nobody likes squishy people either they they pretend to. They talk about it, but in the in their heart of hearts, they don't respect that. They just don't. They just don't. Um, and so what what happens is this this culture of perpetual offense. It, it actually is is perpetrated because the culture it values and rewards victimhood. Now, let me just say quickly on this. You know, there is a such thing as being victimized. There are things that happen to us that we did not ask for, we do not want, we do not deserve, and they happen to us. That's being victimized. But being a victim, being a victim is like saying, I am now entitled to hold on to this and and now i'm i'm gonna excuse the way that i think and behave and the choices that i make going forward because i always have this to blame everything on victimhood is not being a victim is not a crutch right being victimized is a real thing and 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 jesus wants to to step into that space and heal us at that level but then we have to move past it and like we're not we're not quote victims our identity is not that of a victim our identity is that of a son or God, a son or daughter of God right and so in any case the what what happens is the this culture of the perpetually offended self makes people kind of negative to be around. It's no fun being around somebody who's constantly offended who constantly blames everything going on in their life. It's everyone else's fault but their own, right? And and the problem is that when you adhere to a philosophy like this, the, the doctrine of do not offend, it's not only a very weak personal ethic, it's impossible to live out because somebody somewhere is offended. You know, I, I almost want to create a bumper sticker. I'm offended that you're offended. Now what? I mean, who whose offense gets to win out on that one, right? Tolerance is not... It's just not a strong enough virtue to build your entire life on. Now, that being said, by all means, love. Absolutely love from the heart. Love is our highest calling. It's the measuring rod of all other things. But to love also means to speak the truth with both compassion and conviction, not Abandon the truth in order to love. You know, I I, I kind of look at this like, like a doctor. Imagine if you were a doctor and you have a patient and you were you were screening them for cancer, and of course, the patient and their family is hoping for the good news that they're they're cancer free, or at least that the, the cancer is treatable, and you have to tell them the bad news that actually this is stage four cancer and you have anywhere between one to two months to live. Are you doing them any favors by telling them, oh yeah, no, you know, uh, yeah, I I think you're pretty much cancer free. No. Is that a loving thing to say? No. It's going to be horribly painful, not just for the person getting the news, but for the family members of that person getting the news. the, The idea to hear that, their loved one has one to two months left is is devastating, but that's what compassion and love calls us to say is, look, this is your situation. We can hope, we can pray, but this is this is the situation as it stands. That's what's loving, right? Now, that being said, all too often people have self-righteously and judgmentally taken the little bony finger of the Pharisee and waved it in front of somebody else as though they're better than them, as though they're sort of on this higher plane than them. Oh, thank goodness, I'm not like these other sinners kind of attitude. And not only is that unbiblical and obnoxious, it's nothing, 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 nothing like the heart of God. And I think that what we need to strive to is to, again, love God with all our hearts, minds, souls, and strengths. Love one another as we love ourselves, right? We tell ourselves the truth, And we do it with kindness, we do it with love, we do it with compassion, but we we do tell the truth to people, even truth that might hurt, right? And so people of faith now find themselves confronted between, well, confronted with a choice, basically, between either saying nothing so as not to offend and the higher calling of speaking truthfully in order to love. And again, when we say speaking truthfully, we're not talking about the self-righteous Pharisee mode. We're, we're talking about Jesus, the woman at the well, right? He met her where she was at. He he under, he took the time to understand her and understand where she was coming from. He took the time to converse and love her and then call her higher. See, he will always meet us where we at, but where we're at but then he will always call us higher because he's like I have so much more planned for you. I don't want you to settle for this that you're in right now. I want you to have more. I want you to have life and have it abundantly, right? And so Jesus who is is still regarded, you know, in most circles at least as a as a loving man, passed on something a little awkward, right? It's the offense of the cross but when you make agreements 1 and 2 it, it it leads to to this idea that you know justice is the best expression of the gospel and that's what we'll actually get into our episode tomorrow. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. There are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. You chose to listen to ours. We're so grateful. Check out our website pk4l.com for more resources and please click on the link in the show description and download your free ebook Building an Emotionally Safe Home as our gift to you. Remember, we are with you every day, every step of the way. Until tomorrow, have a great day. Thank you.